Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And I know this face, but now, especially now, you're usually hiding it behind a helmet. So everybody else might not know. Tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Matt fucking Jaskell. Matt fucking Jaskell. Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Most of my life has been spent as a professional race car driver, racing instructor, and also skydiver. Nice, nice. So you go fast regardless. Regardless, yeah. That's fucking awesome. Take chances. Dude, it's really good to see you again. I know that uh, um, we had the opportunity to do this once before, but that was pre-COVID. That was pre-all kinds of shit that you've had happen. So first, we're going to get you to jump back to the beginning and fill in the people that didn't hear the first interview. uh, And then we're going to find out what's going on now. So tell me, how did you get started in um, anything extreme, but uh, obviously in skydiving and then into racing? Cool. So you know what? And I'll ask you to help me a little bit. I wish I would have had time. I should have, I wanted to go back and listen to our first interview just to, just to see like where we left it off. I know, I know we got into a lot of deep stuff about my life, but um, so yeah, to to jump into catching people up who maybe didn't see it or or did see it a little bit. um, The last, the first interview we did. So I started out, uh, I'm 37 years old now. And I started, started racing motocross at the age of five. And what was crazy was like, people always, you know, when people ask, how'd you get into racing? Well, it's been my entire life. Mm. And they, oh, and the first question usually is, was your dad a, you know, was your dad racing cars? So my dad was a boat racer. Um, okay. And uh, yeah. And so going back into the eighties, early, like late seventies, early eighties, he was a boat racer, which was super dangerous. Um, and in the, the saying in, in boat racing was either you died or you were going to die. Like that was in that era. <laughs> he was racing in an era of just where it was sketch, man. It was out, you know, he was racing offshore outboard 80, 90 mile an hour boats. And, you know, it was, it was just super dangerous. Some crazy shit. Yeah. And it's, it was cool. Some of the names, like some people probably know these names, obviously he was racing against Vic Edelbrock of Edelbrock carburetors and uh, the Herps family, which is a big family in Las Vegas. They own all the gas stations and stuff like that. And so he was, he was racing against some big name people and he didn't come from money. He actually like his parents uh, didn't support the racing and his father mm. had passed away when he was, a, when he was a young man, a kid at basically, I never met my grandfather on my dad's side. And so he, uh, he did it all on his own. You know, and he was just a hardworking man on his hands and knees, um, fucking installing hardwood floors and carpenter. And he, you know, paid for his boat racing. Sure. And and so the funny saying I love to tell people because uh, so, yeah, we, we were just a motorhead family where we weren't a traditional family. You know, we did we were out at the dunes and we had a we had a cabin in the wintertime. We'd snowmobile we'd, and we weren't you know, we weren't rich. My dad was just sure. a hard, just a hardworking dude. 
uh, my mom was actually a stay-at-home mom, did a little bit of real estate, but so we lived outside our means, you know, high-class white trash family, sure. as, I, as I like to say. Well, you know, it's kind of funny, though, that that coincides so well with probably a fair number of the people that are listening to this podcast living well outside their means, spending five, six, eight thousand $8,000 on a rig and every fucking nickel to go jump out of airplanes. And most of those people will never see that money again. So same thing, right? And I think, you know what, I think as a family, I think that's kind of what we were doing. It just wasn't skydiving. We were sure. doing motors, you know, motorsports. That's yeah, what yeah. we were doing. And um, so the, the, the saying goes, though, before I was born, my dad crashed a boat. He sank it and he, he survived. And he was, you know, he was a fast driver. He was winning races and shit. And he got offered one of those high speed F1 boat rides, like a oh, like a test. Shit. ride. Yeah. yeah. So he did a test and he was good. And he had, he had an opportunity to go race. And I guess my mother, before I was born, came into the garage and said, it's either me or the boat. Which one's it going to be? And, and that's, you know, my mom says that the conversation went differently. My dad said, that's exactly how it goes. <laughs> and and uh, I was born shortly after because my dad made a, clearly a, the wrong decision. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we got into, mo so I had, a, I had an older brother. And so my brother started racing a little bit first, but he went down a different path, which is a whole nother story. You know, he was, uh, you know, was in and out of trouble a lot in his life and stuff. And, and I, I uh, started racing motocross at five. I was, you know, that's where I met like Travis Pastrana and stuff like that. I, sure. I go back all the way to the nineties with him as a, as a friend. And, um, I was okay. I was a decent rider, you know, I was, I was quick, but I wasn't as quick as like the Carmichael's and the, the Pastrana. Like I'd watch these guys send it on, you know, 80 foot triples, you know, at 12 years old. And I was like, fuck that. That's right. Not, I'm not, nope. I'm not. And I watched my cousin femur, you know, and right in front of me once, you know, compound fracture was as I'm 10 dude in this, that's you know, a I'm like early to learn that lesson bro traumatizing and i was just like uh and it, i was scared i was very i was a mindful young man i wasn't mm. like uh, let's just send it i just wasn't that kind of kid sure and so so i got hurt in motocross at like 10 or 11 i, I had a really bad concussion uh like super bad and um and then my parent my mom still supported me to race but she was like i don't i don't want to i don't love the motocross thing mm. so can we do something different and i got into go-karts i got into four wheels and that's, and then the rest is history, you know? Sure. So, so then the, the long journey that we talked about, like, you know, coming up through go-karts and then turning professional and getting the Red Bull deal, the F1 development program and, and all through there. Yeah. And I then mean, Scott, and then to, oh yeah, sorry. And then no, no, please came go along. Yeah. Yeah. Skydiving came along only about, well, God, it's, it's a long journey now, a little over seven years ago now. And I started skydiving 2014 because I wasn't racing. And that's sure. the whole, you know, that was the long story that we talked about of, of why and how. And um, I started skydiving as a lot of people probably do. And people can relate is that I was looking to fill a void in my life. Sure. I wasn't, I wasn't fully happy, you know, and I just needed something to pursue. I couldn't afford, I was trying to get my pilot's license and I couldn't afford it. I was flying right. quite a, I was flying quite a bit here in Vegas and, and I uh, just, I just couldn't really afford it. And then I found skydiving through one of my best friends of skydiving who, you know, who I met in racing. I was, a he was working at the racing school that, that I was, I trained him basically. And he guided me into skydiving a little bit and, um, and that, and I fell in love and the rest, the, the rest is history for that. Person. I mean, it, it seems to be in, and I'm sure we talked about this the first time around the, the uh, mentality that goes into either community kind of blends very well together. You know, I mean, it's, especially with something like racing, it's competitive, but 
there's still a lot of people that are helping along the way. And of course, racing is not a one man sport. It's a team effort. Right. You know? So it takes a lot of like-minded people to be able to do something like that. Same with skydiving to some degree, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, cool little side story. And I think I might've uh, insulted, uh, you know, one or two people, but this is cool. I mean, it's, it's crazy to even think people wouldn't even believe it unless they were there. So I was at the Indy 500 last May. And I was spotting for Marco Andretti, who's a longtime friend. You know, we race together and stuff. And so spotting is where you're up in the tower. It's mandatory. Every driver has to have a spotter. At the Indy 500, there's two spotters because the track is so big. Mm. And so you have a spotter over in turn one watching half the track. And I'm over in turn three watching half the track. And I talk to Marco during the whole race, you know, tell him who's, you know, if there's a crash in front of him, who's on the outside inside. And they're doing 230 miles an hour. It gets pretty intense. And um, we're sitting in the hospitality tent and this was during the weekend. It was, you know, probably days before the race. And I was catching up with Marco's sister and, and, you know, Mario's in there all the time. And Michael, you know, it's part of the team, but it was just, it was just me and a couple other people on the team. And, and, and there was like one of Marco's like good friends, they, they have a podcast together. And, and I started explaining how skydiving was a much better family community than racing and racing was kind of fucking cutthroat and shitty. And he was like, Oh, so you're saying we're all a bunch of assholes. And I was like, ah, that's not what I'm saying, but kind of, yes. You know, where I always, where I always noticed the difference in skydiving. Sure. It is a competitive, there is a professional side to the sport. It just wasn't where in racing it's like, yeah, there is a great family community, but there's also, it's only if you're in the click of the cool people or you're in mm. that high level. And then otherwise you kind of aren't in the group. If you're struggling to get in, like I have for a lot of years and sure. it just has a different vibe where people are trying to take your job and there's only so many seats available and it's, you know, fuck man, somebody gets injured or killed. It, it is true, man. It's like, Oh, that's sad. Hey, so who's going to take his seat? Now? You know, I mean, that's I mean, that, a, a pragmatism to racing that all yeah, right, he's, a, he's still dead. Yeah, it's a, it's a different world, man. And, and so like, I'm not taken away from the people that do have that close family knit, but I've seen it from both sides. I've seen it from sure. the inside, the outside and, and, you know, and it is a different world. It is, there's a lot of money involved and it's a big oh, yeah. business, but, now, but skydiving gave me that more of that family love feel that I, I never felt in racing. Fair enough. Well, and, and, and again, I've talked about it on every damn podcast. That's what tends to keep skydivers in skydiving, you know, even if they don't jump much is that community. Now I wanted to ask you real quick because of something that you just said, you said you were spotting for Andretti. Um, and of course for a skydiver spotting is a whole different thing, but and most people <laughs> have right. probably seen this fucking movie and it is the, the top gun version of NASCAR. Um, what the fuck? The Tom Cruise movie. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. So what you're saying is that when what's his name was talking to Cole, sending him through the smoke, that was actually a guy up in a tower, not the guy standing down in the pits. No, it was the guy in the pits. But but it, so. Back when when Tom when Days of Thunder happened, I think they had spot they did they had spotters back then because there's actually a cool the very opening scene of the movie is the Daytona 500 at date at the you know the the biggest track in the world next to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and um, and that you see the guys up on the tower with the headsets and those are the spotters right. in the movie it's dramatized in the crew chief Harry Hogg 
is talking to not like I, I could tell you I could recite the entire movie for you uh so so uh and I think a lot of skydivers are, are days of thunder fans but um so Harry Hogg is talking to him on the radio from the pit lane but usually that wouldn't be the case but I mean in NASCAR the crew chief's talking to me a lot of times they're just not telling sure. you what to do on the track fair enough fair enough well a little a little Hollywood to bending it around a little bit I just wondered if they were full of shit <laughs> dude I hate when people talk shit about days of thunder because it is pretty fucking damn close man like you it's like there's a lot of shit that's actually pretty legit other than some of the crashes and stuff. It's like that, man, that's pretty damn real. Well, I mean, you can talk a lot of shit about a lot of the Hollywood movies, but they get the point across. Right. I mean, yeah, Top no, dude, Gun. They, I go back and watch Top Gun and it's it's one of the campiest movies ever, but it was a fucking great film. Same with Days of Thunder. It was a great okay. film. The storyline's a little campy, but it's still a good movie, man. Uh, it is sad, sadly because nobody's ever done a good enough job since then. Um, there's been some some like docudramas, you know, on some like IndyCar guys. But Days of Thunder and other drivers agree with me. I believe is still a very relevant movie when you sure. watch it today because nobody's done one ever, you know, done one good enough since. Well, and I know you'll know this, and the name is escaping me. The Shake and Bake one, the comedy. Talladega Nights. Fucking love that movie. <laughs> and again, I'm I'm not a NASCAR guy. I've never really followed the sport. I've never really followed motorsports all that much until probably the last five or six years. But that fucking movie was so funny. And it seemed to, because I know that there were a lot of drivers that were in that movie. So clearly they had a great sense of humor and were able to make fun of themselves. I, um, I hated the movie the first time I ever saw it. <laughs> And, and let me say this, like, because I think I was bitter because I wasn't fucking, I wasn't racing. You I wasn't there. when I, yeah. well, I wasn't there. So, so when I first watched Talladega Nights, I, I was like, it's so dumb. And then I watched it again with some friends and I don't, I don't really drink or party, but I, and I don't do drugs really. And, you know, especially with motorsports and, and um, I don't do drugs at all, but I, uh, I had a few drinks with some friends and, and they, and they wanted to, I think it was like a holiday. We were staying in and I watched it and I was like, all right, it's pretty funny. And now that I've been lucky enough to be back in motorsports racing NASCAR, I go back. I'm like, all right, it's really fucking funny, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, on the, you know, I had a, we'll get into it, but I had a crash in NASCAR last year where I was like, I'm in the air. It's not good. I'm flying through the air. It's not good. <laughs> right. Well, at least, so, you I mean, didn't, at least you didn't strip down naked. and uh, I wasn't and on fire. You were on fire the entire time. Now, now before we before we spend too much time on a skydiving podcast, not talking about skydiving, we are going to talk about it just a little bit. You got yeah. to do one of the coolest fucking jumps ever as a low time skydiver, really. You know, in the big scheme of things, seven years is a good chunk of time in jumping, but it's not well, a huge. Yeah. Only yeah. 2000 jumps, which isn't. Yeah, I mean, that's a good don't get me wrong. That's a good chunk of jumps. But to be able to do what you did in the venue you did for that occasion, please tell me all about it. All right. So um, so last year I got to race NASCAR. I was racing the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Cheers Uh, for that, by the way. Fucking congratulations. Talking to a NASCAR driver here for fuck. Yeah, it was wild, man. Keep going. So for those who don't know, there's only three professional tiers of NASCAR. There's the truck series that everybody knows about. There's the Xfinity series, which was famously known as the Bush series. So when everybody remembers, everybody remembers Winston Cup, man. So, I mean, even people who aren't racing fans, that was the good old era of NASCAR, the Winston Cup. Winston was the title sponsor. So the title sponsor changes throughout the decades, right? So it's not called the Winston Cup anymore. So they have the Cup series. It used to be called the Bush series. Now it's the Xfinity series and then the truck series. And so I was racing in Xfinity uh, and I was racing against, you know, Kyle Busch on most weekends and, you know, all the big name guys, you know, so 
while I was racing, I, I got into the car and, and uh, I got I got called to do NASCAR after a few races had already started in the season. I got into it in uh, April. My first race was in Martinsville, Virginia. And um, and so, you know, to make a very long story long, as the season was going on and, I, you know, I was on a part time calendar, part time schedule, limited budget. Um, I got, I locked in to do the Vegas race and my sponsor wasn't even committed for me to do Vegas. And I was like, I'm, we're fucking doing it no matter what it takes. <laughs> if I have to, if I have to put the money together myself, we're doing my hometown race. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I've never got, I never got to race in front of my hometown crowd at a professional race. Mm. Um, I never got to race on the oval at Vegas. It's a 1.5 mile oval. And, um, so I was like, man, this will be my chance. And the, you know, with motorsports, the way the world is, this could be my only opportunity ever to race in front of my family in front of my sure. hometown crowd sure. in a professional NASCAR race. Mm. So where I started is there's so many different entities you'd have to speak to. Uh, and luckily I have a lot of friends at the Las Vegas motor speedway. The, the president of public relations is a longtime friend of 20 years. The president of marketing is a friend of mine. And so I went to them months before the race and I went, I went, Hey, what, what would you guys say if I wanted to skydive into my race? <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, immediately thinking they were going to be like, yeah, no, you, yeah, Jaskel, sorry, man, I, that can't happen. Right. I, I thought, I thought it would get shut down relatively quickly. And the, and, but the president of public relations, who's a, who's a friend and a fan, you know, he's, he's believed in me. He's helped me throughout the years. Um, he, uh, he looked at me. And he goes, his name is Jeff Motley. And he goes, you could do that. And I went, well, I mean, if you guys help me out and, you know, let me get the permission to do it. Hell yeah, I could do it. He was like, if you let me, <laughs> he was like, really? really? Like, when, when would you jump in? I was like, I don't know. Like, I would want to jump in during driver intros. Like, he was like, you mean like 20 minutes before the race? I was like, exactly. And he, he goes, would you be in your driving suit? I go, well, I'd have to be because I'd go. I'd go right. straight to the car after the jump. He goes, you could do that. I was like, actually, man, jump in. I jump naked. I jump in clothes. It doesn't matter. I'll right. do whatever. <laughs> I said, jumping in a driving suit is actually very similar to a racing suit um, or is it similar to a skydive suit? So he was like, I love it. I think it would be a great idea. And I, we're all kind of laughing like, no way. They're, you know, they're saying yes. Sure. Um, he's like, well, you got to get the permission. You know, how do you want to start pursuing this? So people would never even understood even I didn't understand how complicated it would be. Right. So at a race, every race has a title sponsor, right? The, the Pepsi 500, the Elsco right. this or whatever. So, so the race I was going to be running was a, it's a 300 mile race. And it was the Elsco, which is a big uniform company, right? Uniform supplier. It was the Elsco 300. When you're a title sponsor of a NASCAR race, it's about, I don't know, quarter million to a half a million dollars mm. to, to be the title sponsor of one race you own the race. You, right. you own the keys to the kingdom. If you want people skydiving in, if you don't, you want flyover, whatever you want, you get. So if, if this title sponsor didn't want some random driver jumping into the race, then <laughs> they could say, no, no, we sure. don't want that. Sure. So, so luckily like a, a PR guy of mine knew somebody at Elsco coincidentally, you know, of course, and they go to them, hey, this Matt Jasper, da, 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 he wants to skydive in. They're like, oh, we love it. That'd be great. <laughs> and uh, and so now, so now the um, so now the Las Vegas Motor Speedway is on board. The title sponsor is on board. So now we got to go to like now I go to Jim Dolan, who you love, my, <laughs> hey, my boy. Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah. So so I go to Jim Dolan, who's a longtime skydiver for the people that don't know. Um, you know, flying Elvi, flying Elvi, S and T A. I mean, the guy, yes. you know, he's, he's he's a legend in the sport. Done a lot of cool shit. 
And so he is actually the go-to guy for doing like demo jumps, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Not not just the safety aspect, but fuck all the paperwork that has to get filed. So I go to Jim and I go, dude, I think I'm going to skydive into my race. And um, he was like, no shit, let's do this. So the paperwork was insane. He had to file stuff with the TSA because it's over a great, you know, crowd. Uh, The FAA, we have the Nellis Air Force Base right (laughs) next to the Right there. We had to go to Nellis Air Force Base. I mean, there was so much to paperwork for him to do. Then, so now Jim's filling out the paperwork. Everything's looking good. Got the title sponsor. We got the racetrack. Now we're having a trouble with the bird because the, the, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway has an exclusivity with a helicopter company. That helicopter company did a tandem operation with Jim and Eddie, Eddie Carroll from Vegas Extreme, and it went yeah. bad. And the fucking helicopter overspun the rotors, twenty five thousand dollars in damage. So, dude, so now we're like, all right. So there's all this shit going on. We go to we go to the helicopter company to Maverick, and they say no, fuck that. And you know, the owner is like, no, don't want to do it. And I had a friend, so I have a friend who's the president of marketing there. Used to work at a driving school with the guy, and so the the chief pilot knows Jimmy and. And they all get together in a meeting. They go, hey, I, I know Jaskal. He's a good dude. This will be a smart operation. Jim, and, and so the chief pilot was like, hey, man, this would be super cool and easy. We should do it. Sure. And the owner was kind of, I think the owner's like an ex-Vietnam vet or something. And he was just you know, kind of hardcore. And I guess he looked at the chief pilot and goes, all right, well, if you're willing to fly it and you can do it, then fuck it. Do, do it. I don't want to hear about it. And, and so we're like, shit, we got, all right, we got the bird. We got the track. We got the paperwork now. There's one little entity that has to say yes. And that's, um, what are they called? NASCAR. (laughs) 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 We got to get NASCAR to say yes to some no name NASCAR driver that they don't fucking know. That's, you know, you know, yeah, I have a name in the sport. I've been racing a long time, but you know, NASCAR didn't give a shit who I am. Well, now as a quick side note, how far in advance of the race is this all happening? We started the process about three months before. So you at least gave yourself a little, a little time to work with. We didn't ask NASCAR until 30 days before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <laughs> one way to do it. So, so the president of public relations looks at me and goes, all right, Matt, it looks like you've ticked off all the boxes. Now, this is a side note about politics and drama and bullshit. Now, guess, guess who was one of the only entities that said no to it and was kind of, and kind of pissed me off because I had to convince him was my sponsor. Really? This, yeah. The sponsor was the only guy that was like, I don't know, Maddie, you know, maybe we should do this, you know, something self-serving. Let's wait until next year when you're full time and blah, blah, blah. I was like, next year, motherfucker. There is no next year. I could be dead next year. I'm not waiting right. until this is an opportunity to take now that, you know, this helps get my name out there. It, and even if nothing else, man, at least I can say I skydived into my own NASCAR race. It's never been done in history. Yeah, man. No professional driver's ever skydived into his own race and got in a car. Never in the sure. history of NASCAR. It's so hard to be the first to do anything these days. And so he, I had to get him on board. He, he was just kind of like, that he's kind of a corky. Me. Yeah, that really confuses can, me because I mean, isn't it first off it's no press is bad press or all that bullshit but you're literally talking about the entire time your canopy is in the air and you're flying the spotlight is focused on his fucking brand 
Yeah, dude. He and I was I I don't know. Maybe he was worried I was gonna bounce or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> there's no publicity like bad publicity. That's what Mick Jagger said, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, dude, he's just corking <laughs> his own ride. He's he's a little bit eccentric, you know, and just had his own, you know. I don't know. He just he well he's he sponsoring just, a NASCAR team. You gotta be a little bit eccentric, right? Right. And he's spending a lot, he spent a lot of money for me to go race last year, and I only did seven races. And so he was just, I don't know, I guess he just wasn't sure how it was going to play out and, and this and that. And, and I think what he, I think what he was thinking also, you know, he's got an ego in a good way, right? He's just like seeing the big picture. And I think he was thinking, let's wait until we're on the main stage racing the cup series and blah, blah, blah. And I told him, dude, there's no time. Like now, if we don't, if I don't do it, some other driver is going to pull it off or something, you know, uh, Brian Vickers was a famous NASCAR driver at the time he raced for Red Bull and he was a skydiver. He never skydived mm. into a race. He skydived into a racetrack once, like, mm. you know, when it was empty, nobody was there. There was no race going on. So I was like, you know, Chris, it's just, we, I said, we got to do it now, man. Sure. And, and so, so he got on board, he got on board. And then um, something I went, so, so the president of public relations goes, all right, Matt, you got everything. Do you want me to go to NASCAR or do you want to do it? And I said, no, you go to NASCAR for me. It'll be better that way. I think Right. right. It off. But I did tell him this, I go, listen, explain to nascar that this is not some this is not some travis pastrana stunt that sadly i am more current in skydiving than i am racing a nascar <laughs> like this will be far more routine part of my day now right. to back up just a little bit because it's important for people to know so racing in nascar is is intense it's yeah. a, the, the track at vegas is 185 miles an hour and yeah and 40 cars on track and let's let me let me just put this little caveat no practice no qualifying straight to the fucking green flag because they were doing covid calendar that started in 2020 they took it into 2021 it's a little bit of money a little bit of politics and because it's your less time at the track sure they so they cut out qualifying and practice for a lot of the nascar races how did so they get their have, lineup? Uh, by points. All and right. Went by, and I'm not a, a team owner points, not driver points. So the car number is what owned the points. So, and my team was a low budget team, a part-time team. So sure. we were usually 40, you know, 38, 37, 40. Sure. So I, so I try to explain to people, I'm like, listen, man, it, this would be the equivalent of like, you, you know, a lot of skydivers, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys like the movie independence day. Right. Remember the pilot that was like a, you know, washed up, like crop yeah. duster from Vietnam. I like, can fly a plane. I'm a pilot. Yeah, I, I can fly. I'm a pilot. I mean, like, that's me. Like I'm the, it's like, yeah, I used to, you know, I used to race cars full time, but I had never raced NASCAR. Mm. I've never been on these big ovals in a long time. You know, I, I did some open wheel stuff, you know, and this, uh, but I never, I did some, I did some low level NASCAR racing, we would call it like the, the amateur semi-pro NASCAR race. Sure. Like I'd raced Saturday nights on short tracks for a number of years, but never in the big show on the big tracks, you know? Sure. And so to just jump right in would be the same as taking a pilot who flies, who, you know, used to fly some acrobatic stuff and maybe right. flew some old, and Hey man, we're, we're going to put you in an F-18 and uh, you're going to go, you're going to no practice and right. you got to go straight to the show. You'd be like, what? So that, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I had, you know, very well-known famous racing driver names that people probably know coming up to me going, you're, you're going straight. You're not, you're getting in the car, no practice. Yep. And they were like, you've never been here. Uh -uh. 
you've never been in this car? Nope. And, and they were like, that's crazy. And I'm like, well, what options do I have, man? Yeah. And, and so the real, you know, we can joke about it and be like, yeah, man, I was just ju- jumping in it. I was fucking terrified at some sure. of these races, man. I mean, I was not happy to be going to Darlington. That was the, Darlington is one of the most famous tracks in NASCAR history. It's where Cole Trickle got his yeah, first yeah. win in Days yeah, of yeah. Thunder. Yeah. And um, it's a sketchy, scary track and it's fast. And I had to go straight to Darlington, no practice, never turned a lap on the place and straight to 170 mile an hour in turn three, almost laughing like, oh my God, like this is insane. You know, now, I got to yeah. ask, you said that. So the car goes off of the points that the team uh, uh, that the a sponsor has. So is there um, a little relief? in going for a part-time team that's got you so far in the back because if i if i read everything correctly it's your ground to gain right i mean if you're in the back of the pack there's nowhere to go but up in the in the stats oh 100 any any driver will be like oh well it was a little bit less pressure to start 40th you know to start last (laughs) at some of these races right so let me tell you this. So I got to go to road or to, to mid Ohio, which is a famous road rate road racing track, right? Like IndyCar races there, you know, a lot, lot of, a lot of famous races have, have happened and it's been around since like God, the sixties or something really cool road, road track and uh, road racing track. Um, and so NASCAR does, you know, quite a few road races that it's not just ovals. They race on, on quite a few road courses. And so I got to go to mid Ohio and everybody was expecting me to do well because I'm in, I'm the road racing guy, you know, come from, I come from that background, not just the, the roundy round circle track stuff. Right, right, right. And so be, our points that weekend allowed us to be like 37th of 40. No practice, even though I'm a road racing guy, it's a 3000 pound, 700 horsepower stock car yeah. that doesn't stop very well, but still goes like a buck 70 down the straightaway, you know? Right. And, and it's a four, it's four speed. It's old school, man. It, it's, you know, you don't have to clutch. You just lift and shift and you can left foot brake and just blip the throttle to downshift. But it's, you know, it's a technique. You gotta be, you gotta be good and precise at it. And it's a very heavy, fast race car. Hmm. And, and the team owner, just like, okay, here, this is days of thunder, man. The team owner from the pit, as like, we're on the track getting ready to race. The team owner is this good old boy, you know, from, from, you know, from the East coast, really amazing guy he's actually pretty famous in the nascar world his name's carl long and he gets on the radio like hey buddy you, you think maybe we could just fall back to, and just do you mind just starting last just till you get a feel for it for the gears <laughs> and the braking a little bit and i'm like yeah copy that bro i was gonna start in the and i so before talking to the team i was gonna fall back to 40th and and give up the 37th starting position, give up the few starting positions right. to get a feel for the car for the first lap. Because <laughs> I don't even know how this fucking thing breaks going into turn one at like 160 miles an hour yet. I don't know how much, you know, there's no ABS, you know, you don't right. know how much break, you know, if you lock it up, you can destroy the tire and, and you'd, you'd have to pit. So I'm like, fuck, I better figure this out. So I was already going to fall back, but he's like, Hey buddy, you mind just falling back for a couple laps till you get a feel for the gearbox and the brakes. I'm like, yeah, I'm already on it, dude. Got you. Got you. Copy that. No problem. Got, I mean, you have to love that mentality though, right? Especially coming from the owner. He's got you in the seat going, yeah, I'm not sure if this guy knows how to drive this car or not, but uh, so I'm just going to suggest he take it easy for the first few laps. And there's so much to it's it, just like skydiving. <laughs> racing is such a fucking intricate, complicated sport. So the team, the team owner owns the cars. He owns the entry. He owns the number. My sponsor is the one that's essentially paying for me to be in the car as a driver. Right. Now, 
Now the team knows I'm a good driver. They know my background. So they give the sponsor a good deal on the car, but it still costs money to go racing. Sure. But here's a, here's a really amazing thing in racing. Usually the sponsor or the driver that's paying to be in a race car has to cover crash damage. That crash damage can be anywhere from 20 grand to a hundred thousand dollars. If you have a bad crash. Yeah. Yeah. This, this team doesn't charge crash damage, but they, hope that you bring it home in one, one piece, you know? So that's part of, so they, they're trusting and, and the stress that I had, and you'll love this. I mean, it was legit like this. The te- I mean, I had, I mean, I was genuinely like shitting myself in races. I mean, I, you know, my stomach was upside down at some of these races, the stress of like, here's my shot. You got to pull it off. Don't die. Be safe. You got, but everybody's so as much as you just said, like, Oh, you got everything to gain. It's like, here was what my sponsor and the team owner would even, and this is legit. They'd be like, Hey man, just go out there and have a good time, but don't fuck this <laughs> up, okay? But like, but no, man, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Is that fun? But we need you to fucking finish in the top twenty, otherwise we're not gonna get enough money for the next race. But just chill, bro. It's fine. Like that was literally my life every race. Like, no, man, there's no pressure. Don't fuck this up. The the <laughs> idea that a driver can potentially be on the hook for repairs to the fucking car—that's insane. Man. That's, That's racing, bro. Yeah. That's fucking mental. So people don't think like, you know, people think, oh, the driver's not responsible. Well, yeah, he is and he isn't. It's the, it, sometimes drivers are paying to be in a seat. They're bringing the money to the sure. table. And sure. if, they don't, if they don't work out a crash, so it might cost, X, it, it costs $1 million to race the NASCAR truck series with this team, but that's not including crash damage you're gonna crash you're racing 25 races a year sure you are gonna do some ricky bobby shit in that 25 races and it's gonna and it's gonna be expensive so if you don't have the crash damage you know contract sorted out with the team you could be looking at a quarter million dollars in crash damage for a full season i know a driver last year in the truck series that had two million dollars in crash damage almost because he fucking rode off you know he, he was a fast driver he wins races but he also had some major crashes, rode off a couple trucks, and th- that truck might be $200,000 to build back to original condition, you know, or fully rebuild one altogether. It's a weird sport, man. It's a, it's a very, and, and the thing is, if there's 40 cars in the field, every single driver, even if they're on the same team, has a different program. Sure. Some, some drivers are fully sponsored. Some drivers are hired guns. Some drivers are paying to be there. There's a lot of nepotism in the sport of NASCAR, as you might in the, in the world, in the sport of any, in the sport of anything, but especially in racing, it's pretty deep. Right. So I was racing against Jeffrey Earnhardt. That's one of Earnhardt's Dale Earnhardt's nephews. I was racing against Riley Herps. If you know Herps, that the biggest gas stations, casinos in Las Vegas, I was racing that son, uh, the Burton family, Jeff and Ward Burton, very famous NASCAR drivers. Uh, I was racing against both of their fucking kids. Um, the, I mean, the, the dude, Austin Sindrick, he's a famous, good driver. Have you ever heard of Penske Motorsports? Yeah, they're, oh, only, yeah. The, they're only the biggest name in motorsports history. Yeah. His, fa- um, his father is the president of Penske Motors, of, uh, the, the, the team. That was racing against his kid. You know, you're racing against some some great and that's what's tough these days is these drivers aren't slow and they have huge dollars behind them big teams family money you know it's it's a tough deal man i mean there's no fucking wonder that you would jump out of airplanes to calm down yeah that and that's truly it sounds cliche but when people it's like yeah it really is how i slow down oh yeah 
or how I like I just got to go jump in Mesquite uh, here in Nevada at the the Blue Skies Boogie and Memorial Boogie. Nice. And it was the most relaxed I've been in six months, probably. Isn't that funny? Oh yeah. yeah. When the only thing that's on your line uh, on the line is whether or not you fuck up the dive and your life. Yeah. And, and it's, it's more fucking good. relaxing. Yeah. So and that's a perfect segue back into the skydive, right? Yes. Going to NASCAR and telling them, listen, this is the most routine part of my day. You know sure. what's funny? is there was a lot of haters after I skydived, even uh, sure. a, a, a well-known guy, Josh Hall, I think his name is, who's like a, you know, like a regional director. He was like, Jaskel's not on, he's not, yes, I am. Like, so, I mean, I don't post a lot about it, but man, I went, I you know, rigorously went through my pro rating, very legit, like every jump, you know, freaking sure. uh, filmed. And, you know, I did everything for my pro rating up in Mesquite with some great instructors and DZOs. Mm. And I got my pro rating years ago and I've used my pro rating. I've done sure. a flying Elvi jump into a very difficult location. I've done some other, some other, I did a couple charity jumps. So I've done some demo work. I, I, I have a, my TI rating, even though I don't do a lot of tandems. So I am a professional skydiver, yep. but I, you know, I'm just not maybe doing demos every week or something like that. So people questioned if I was even legal to do it. And, and Jim backed me up like, yeah, he's got his shit more, <laughs> more square than a lot of you assholes out there doing demo it, jumps you know people just man especially i suppose in in environments like that they're so fucking pissed off when the spotlight shined on anybody else even for a moment yeah. and i don't i don't understand that i mean uh, especially coming from scott having as long as i've been in it people relish other people's successes in this sport in a way that you don't see in most other sports like I've never seen a competition in any other sport like uh, swoop challenges and stuff where the guys on the ground that are battling it out for first, second and third are right there cheering on the guys that are competing yeah. against them. You know, I mean, that's some amazing stuff. And I'm applaud the uh, um, the spotlight going on anyone that brings a positive attention to skydiving. So yeah. I wouldn't understand. I don't understand how if it's bringing attention to the sport, it's bringing attention to your sponsor and doing nothing but positive things. Why people get pissed off. But man, some people are just just so fucking ticked that it's not about them. Right. Or that I somebody did something first or whatever, you know, so and in, and in the defense of some of these people that questioned it, maybe they truly were like, you know, protecting the sport because a lot of I mean, we've seen a lot of stupid shit happen in a short amount of time. Like, the, like I hate to, I don't want to call anybody out, but like, let's say the kid that did the tandem on that, uh, on like, what well, was it, The Bachelor or whatever, you know? And so there, there's been some, you know, some, there's been some bad spotlights in, oh, in yeah. skydiving, even oh, in yeah. recent, in like, in the last like 18 months. So in, in defense, you know, I'll, I'll play, I'll play devil's advocate here, you know, maybe just making sure everything's legit. I'm not doing something stupid, but that was the point. So I went to, I went to the Las Vegas motor speedway and I said, listen, what, I, what NASCAR is letting me do be getting behind the wheel is stupid. Like right. no practice, no qualifying, right. very little seat time. It's only my second uh, mile and a half oval. And, and so NASCAR does have a progression. I had to do a half mile first because it's slower. Right. Then I went to a mile. I did a couple mile tracks. <clears throat> then I did Texas mile and a half. I wasn't allowed to go right to Talladega. I wasn't allowed to go right to Daytona. <clears throat> so now here I am at Vegas, my only my second mile and a half. So I, I say, listen, when you go to NASCAR, tell them, show like I am a professional licensed rated skydiver for exactly this. Right. Also, skydiving is not new in NASCAR. It just like remind them that 
demo jumps with flags and everything happen every all weekend. The time. All the time. It's just never been done by a driver. And I was like, <laughs> this isn't a Pastrana stunt, something crazy. No offense to Travis, but this is, you know, this isn't some, nar- some stupid, oh, silly stunt. You know, yeah, but this isn't some stupid, silly stunt. This will actually be truly more routine than driving the race car. And, and mm. he was funny because he goes, shit, that's funny and true. He goes, I'll put that in the email. So he puts it in the email. He sends it off to NASCAR. And we're all for two weeks. We don't hear back. And now we're just a couple weeks from the race. And I got to get like, I got to nail this down. And we did do something pretty cool. We didn't want it just to be self-serving. I wanted it to be people <clears throat> from the outside, even some skydivers might not have understood it wasn't just to say, look, I skydived into the race. I, I, I teared up. It was an emotional thing. Sure. Um, the guy that taught me how to skydive, Jace Ramsey, who, who I, I obviously love. I mean, the guy is, you know, I look to him as, as the legend. I mean, he taught me how to skydive. One of the coolest guys I've ever met. I asked him to be part of the ground crew. Nice. Um, another skydiver who's just in a, who was an amazing human being. Um, he just, he, he supported me. I worked with him, uh, doing outside video and tandems at go jump, uh, knew him. For, he, I met him when I first started skydiving, he fucking died base jumping last year, one week before my NASCAR race mm. and, uh, was supposed to be ground crew at the race, man. And he died on a base jump with Jace, mm. the guy who taught me how to jump. Yeah. Uh, they went to jump together in Northern Nevada, just one week before my race. And he, and he went in. And so I asked Jace to take his place, which was really tough for Jace. and was emotional. I mean, it was only sure. one week after one of his dear friends just went in in front of him. So, so there was a lot that, pe- that people still like from the outside might not ever know. And I started skydiving because I was depressed that I wasn't racing anymore. Sure. And skydiving helped, you know, change my life and save my life in some ways. And now here I, and I never fucking gave up. That's still the, the, still the thing I like to try to tell. I never sure. gave up. Sure. Never turned my back on racing. It just wasn't there for me. And I needed to support my family. And you sure. know, we talked about that in the previous podcast, family health setbacks and things like that. And, and so I, you know, I, um, not to sound dramatic, I, I always said like, I didn't give up on, on racing it. It kind of gave up on me, you know, mm. like it, it's a tough sport. Nobody gives a shit unless you got money sometimes. And sure. And so life came full circle. The guy that, that sponsored me, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit. He, um, uh, I've known him for 20 years. I met him when I was only 15 years old. So more mm. than 20 years when I was racing go-karts here in Vegas. And he called me out of the blue and said, Jaskal, I've always believed in you. Fucking love what you do, man. And I want to put you in a NASCAR because I have the money now and I want to be, I want to be a sponsor in NASCAR. Let's go racing. It's the phone call that never comes. I mean, you sure. could write a, you could do a movie just about that. It, it never happens. And it did. And it happened for me, but because I never fucking gave up. Sure. Yes. I, I, yeah, I went on a different path skydiving, but I, I stayed active. I was always still working in the sport. I was co- actively coaching, working at the Indy 500, you know, sure. racing once or twice a year to try to stay relevant. I still was chasing the dream. It just, it just wasn't as realistic without a lot of money, without budget. Sure. Sure. Uh, and so it all, it all came together. So that was the point of the skydive, man. It really was. Well, it was to, it was to bring those two worlds together in sure. a way that's never been done in a way that maybe I'll never get to do again. Right. Sure. So that, that was well, the motivation behind and it. And to be perfectly honest, to be, to be as not like I'm ever blunt, <laughs> <laughs> not you no. to, to be a little bit blunt for anybody that doesn't understand your motivation for wanting to do it. Fuck them. 
Fuck like it. seriously, yeah. because <laughs> yeah, I know. above and beyond everything else, skydiving is whatever each individual that brings themselves into the sport needs it to be, right? Skydiving is it's a very personal thing, the reasons that we jump. Just like racing is something that you have a passion for, you had the opportunity to mix those two things. And for whatever reasons, these were amazing and very personal reasons that you wanted to melt the two. It also shined a spotlight on you and your sponsor. And it's fucking cool. I don't yeah, care what anybody is. says. It is fun. Most it was of, cool. <laughs> most of the shit that I've done for skydiving, it's because it's fucking cool. It's yeah. cool. It's fun. And every once in a while, it's pretty neat to be able to go, oh, you guys got to check out what I just did. <laughs> you have the opportunity to skydive into a NASCAR race. So if somebody doesn't get that, fuck them. Fuck them. And so, so, so that this little side notes, which is amazing. And, and I, I would get emotional thinking about it, talking about it. So, one of the motivations for me was the, the, the people that have helped my life and have supported me, as you know, they're family, they're best sure. friends, and they, they love me no matter what. And even sure. when I wasn't racing, they're like, dude, we love your skydiving. You know, they're just like, Jasper, we just love what you do, man. Sure. And, and, I, and I almost feel guilty that I, I didn't make it to, you know, like all these people that supported me in racing. I didn't fucking make it like we all expected. And mm. here was my chance. And so, and they fucking still supported me sure. when I wasn't racing to go right now to go skydiving, you know, like <laughs> right. they loved following my journeys, even though it wasn't something noble. It wasn't making a living at it per se. I'm just, I'm just traveling the world skydiving and sure. And, and do it and sharing some, you know, some cool stuff and, and trying to inspire some people along the way and sharing deep stories about my life. And, and so to me, I was like, man, I get to skydive into my NASCAR race I made it to NASCAR and this is for my fucking uncle, my cousins, my family, the people that devoted their time and money and effort. My mother, my father, they were at the race like, hey, we fucking did it. Yeah. Like, look, I mean, I, I cried because I was like, oh, my God, 30 years. And, and, and here's another reason I wanted to skydive in. And, and, and this isn't being negative. This is just being real. I'm running in a car like to give you an idea of disparity in equipment for anybody listening about like racing. I'm racing against teams and drivers that have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar per race budget. Okay, so I can go race with one of these teams. They'll be like, Jasko, we'd love to have you. Hundred and fifty grand per race. That's what it costs to race with some of the top level teams. Hmm. My team, I'm just going to be honest, charges like thirty thousand dollars a race. <laughs> the car's ten years old. We're right. borrowing motors. They're a good team. They're they're but they're not you're not going to win the race. Sure. So it's, it's literally not I, I, a physical, literal impossibility unless everybody fucking crashes that I'm going to win the race in the car that I'm in. It's just sure. not going to happen. Sure. So that, and so, so here I am, I'm racing NASCAR for the first time, maybe the last time in my life in front of my hometown crowd. I don't really have a shot to win the race whatsoever. Right. I'm going to fucking skydive into my race. Yes, you know, that, yes. that was kind of the motivation behind it. And too. why oh, not? I, and we raised $10,000 for children's charity because I went to a fucking race. I went to my very first ever stock car sponsor who owns a car dealership here in Vegas. He put me in a stock car in 2005 when I lost my Red Bull ride. I won a championship with him. He's still a friend, you know, all, you know 15 plus years later, and he's got a lot of money. And I went to him and kind of put him on the spot. You know, I was yeah. like, hey. I'm skydiving into my race. It's costing me quite a bit of money out of my own pocket. The helicopter, the stunt, you know, the sure. ground crew, all the stuff. And I don't want to just jump for nothing. I want to raise some money for charity. Will you, will you step up? And he goes, and he literally fucking went, 
done, Jaskel. Awesome. You're on, I can't believe you're doing it. So he he gave me a bunch of money to cover all the, like uh, 20 grand to cover all the expenses. And we gave ten $10,000 to the children's Speedway, Speedway Children's Charity. So it was, oh, dude, that's yeah, epic. Man. That's epic. epic. Yeah. I mean, um, why not? And what a, I mean, the whole it. thing from start to finish, how cool is that? And again, yeah. who, who cares that you're in a, uh, you know, in a ride that's not going to win the race. You're in fucking NASCAR for fuck's sake. And I'll tell you what, and the only reason that I know anything at all about motorsports is from our conversations and from the Netflix show about F1, which yeah. I'm guessing a good. whole lot of people that are listening to this, same thing. The only reason yeah. that I understand the different tiers of teams that are still all on the same track is because of that show. And oh, so I get that's it. Perfect. Yeah. So people even watching, yeah, Netflix, you know, that that's a perfect example. If you watch, you know, Drive to Survive on, yes. on Netflix, you'll understand despair, you know, the Alpha Romeo is not going to fucking beat the Mercedes ever yep. unless the Mercedes blows up, you know? Yes, yes. And, and it's, well, and it, it's kind of neat because that brought a sport like F1 that we talked about in our first podcast to a whole different audience because I, I know jack shit about F1, uh, except yeah. for what I've seen in that show. And it actually, now yeah. I really, really enjoy it because I've seen it from a much different side. I'll still yeah. never go to the track. I'll still never go to see the race firsthand because that's just not my thing. But being able to watch it from that perspective is fucking epic. And the NASCAR side of things, um, for me, being able to watch the sit that you've been doing is ridiculously fucking entertaining because yeah. I'm like... <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> I know he's racing NASCAR. This is so cool. And it's badass. It was, it was cool, man. I told some Scott, you know, I price, I probably spoke about it more than I should have, but thank God I pulled it off. But I remember going to a few of the cool kids in the skydive world who are friends, you know, and, and I don't blame them either. Cause even for me, I was, I was surprised, but I told some people like I'm racing the Vegas NASCAR race, which honest to God, wasn't even a hundred percent. Cause I did it. The sponsor <laughs> didn't want to spend the money on the Vegas race. Cause he was already, he'd already spent a lot of money. Right. And I was like, no, we're fucking doing Vegas. <laughs> even if I got to ra- even if I got to come up with the sponsorship money. So I wasn't even confirmed to do Vegas. And here I am trying to book the skydive. Right. And then I was telling some people like I'm racing in vegas because you gotta like try to at least get some people to know about it sure and and i remember telling some skydive friends like hey i think i'm gonna skydive into my own race and and no not you know not talking shit about them at all i probably would react the same way but some of them looked at me like oh yeah sure jaskel yeah yeah." (laughs) you know like yeah we'll see you know and and even i was like yeah i don't know what's gonna happen but it it fucking did (laughs) well you know it's funny i just actually uh um, the previous guest the darman brothers that i had on uh, and that episode will be out by the time this one airs uh we talked about the fact that they grew up on an airfield and were doing all the skydiving type stuff but removed from their class so you know the kids that they were going to school with only heard the stories they never got to see it firsthand and that they would just assume that most of these kids thought they were completely full of shit yeah because and and i've gone through most of my entire adult life assuming that everyone outside of skydiving just thinks that i'm lying most of the time it's got to be the same with you and driving and nascar and stuff because people especially in something like skydiving we love to talk we love to tell stories and i'm guilty of it as well my jumps get a little bit more impressive and the numbers get a little (laughs) bit bigger with every fucking conversation that i have about it so people just assume uh, there's probably some truth to this i'm sure you get the same thing when it comes to driving 
Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You have to. And, 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 and honestly, there's times, there's times, man, where I don't even tell the story because I'm like, ah, you wouldn't. They're I swear not going to believe dude, it. They're not going to. I'm sure you have more than a few of those, but it's like, yep. I'm just like, you know, if I told them the whole story, they it just, if I told you the entire story, you probably wouldn't even believe it anyways. Luckily, yep. I have emails and I'll finish that last. So we go to NASCAR. I, so we go to NASCAR two weeks before the race and we're waiting. And so they cut. So the guy emails us and goes, okay, Matt nascar came back with an answer and we're all like huddled around the computer and it says nascar said matt is okay in capital letters to dive into his race under one condition and we're all like that he has a backup driver in case he gets injured and we're just like <laughs> what <laughs> they're like man nascar is savage man listen if jaskel bounces clean it up fast the show's got to go on make sure there's a backup driver the car's got to be in the race nice <laughs> nice actually I, I give props to fucking nascar for that's, that because yeah. that's exactly what would have happened is they would have somebody just kick him off the track we can deal with that shit later the, the rolling <laughs> joke the rolling joke was man you know nascar's desperate for ratings when they're like jaskel who the fuck is this guy Oh, he raced a few races. He wants to skydive into it. Fuck it. Let him jump. But, you know, nice. make, tell him to land on the grass so he doesn't hit the asphalt in case he, you know. And if he gets injured, you know, we want the car in the race anyways. So Just that have was a backup. The, the rolling joke was, Jaskel, who fuck it? Let him jump. Just have a backup driver. <laughs> oh, no. Was uh, was Dolan your backup driver? No, I, of course. He wanted to be. I think that was, <laughs> I think even mentioned it. But that's, this is even funny too, man. So check this out. So one of the on payroll drivers for the team is a fucking really good driver named Steven light. He was my spotter for most of the year. Cause he doesn't have sponsorship to get in the car all year long. Mm -hmm. So the team has him on salary and the team will put him in the car when they need a driver or a track that he's really good at or something like that. Otherwise he, he serves as a driver coach or a spotter up in the tower to you know he was like basically coaching me at some of these tracks i'd never seen before and he was a sure. great he was a fucking great spotter kept me out of a few big crashes the spotter is your eyes for those that don't know right not like spotting in an airplane we do right. have spotters in skydiving so this spotter he he's got binoculars or he's just watching and he'll he'll usually tell you you know because you can't see he'll say car outside outside still there you're clear at your bumper whatever but he's also it's we're doing you know 180 miles an hour he's watching in front of me because hmm. i'm running 20th and the leader the lead pack there could be a crash which there usually is at least once sure. a race and if and if a spotter doesn't say back it down back it down crash in turn three back go low go low go high he'll tell you what to do sure and if he doesn't you might just get tangled up in it just like tom Cruise, just like um that that's legit like the smoke jiggle so in a real scenario the the crash happens and there's smoke and the spotter will be like, back it down, back it down, go high because the cars are coming down the hill. Like he'll tell you where to go if you can't see. Right. And and so Steven kept me out of a few big crashes. I mean, I in Vegas, I got to finish all 300 miles, which was a big fucking deal. Sure. I dived in, finished every lap of the race, finished higher than I started 40th, finished, I think, 26th. And we had some tire problems. We had a bad pit stop. So we had a good, a good night, you know, all in all. Right. Sure. And uh, so he kept me out of a big crash that happened right in front of me. I missed it by inches. And, um, but he was my backup driver and we joked. So he was up in the tower already ready to go. 
and and we joked that when I landed, the crowd was like, "Yeah," and my spotter was like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" Oh, <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> that, that a- doesn't surprise me. <laughs> That's pretty fucking funny. Now, so you obviously probably the most memorable skydive you've ever had, being able to do something like that. And yeah. have you been have you been able to do much jumping over COVID? Yeah, yeah, man. So I got COVID uh, January 2021 doing tandems. We were open. I was doing some tandems at Go Jump. I got, and that's most likely how I got it. I got COVID exactly, exactly twelve months and a few days to you know to the date, twelve months ago. And uh, so yeah, dude, I I did have to pull back on skydiving a lot uh, because of NASCAR. I didn't hmm. want to get injured. You know, I was like, sure. here's a sponsor spending a lot, you know spending a lot of money. AutoParts4Less.com and. Yeah. Uh, he was spending a lot of money for me to be racing. So I, I didn't do any tandems. I didn't want to, you know, I'm newer TI. I didn't want to take a chance, you know, twisting an ankle or something. Sure. And I would do a few outside video jumps just, just to stay current, but I just wanted to take it easy, you know? Sure. So I, I didn't jump a lot during the summer and uh, obviously get super hot in Vegas anyways. And then, yeah. And then I trained, you know, I did some train. I wanted to practice, you know, before the, uh, the Vegas jump, I used a helicopter, uh, did 5,000 foot. I used a, a, a Spectre 150. You know, I fly a sub 100, but I'm rated for my pro rating under the 150. Sure. Glad I did it. The winds were super gnarly, came in oh, kind of yeah. silent. There was like fucking crosswinds and shit like that. And so I nailed the landing luckily under my 150 because that's cool to share. People, skydivers probably want to know what I was jumping maybe. Sure. So, um, so yeah, did 5K hop and pop, uh, used the 150 and, and um, had a GoPro 360 for it and stuff. But so yeah, I did get to jump a little bit. And then um, I didn't know if I'd be racing this year yet. And it still is a little bit up in the air. Again, it all comes down to money and sponsorship. Um, sure. My sponsor is a friend, but he's also a publicly traded company. He's trying to uplist to the NASDAQ here pretty soon, which is a, a big deal. And, you know, he doesn't have millions of, he doesn't have millions of dollars of cash flow to, right. to go NASCAR racing, but it does look like I'll be doing some NASCAR truck races um, the Daytona 500, the Super Bowl of motor racing events, you know, yeah, that man. is next. It's exactly 30 days from now. Um, well, 32 to be precise on the 20th of February. But so the truck race, so there's the NASCAR truck race on Friday night, the NASCAR Xfinity race, which is the series I was racing last year, which is on Saturday. And then the Daytona 500 on Sunday. Wow. And it does, it does look like I'll, hopefully I'll do like an official announcement in the next few days or maybe a week or so. But I just got a phone call this morning. This is how dynamic this shit is in racing. It was, it was last year in November. I'm going full-time NASCAR racing. Then the sponsor was like, fuck, man, I don't know if I have the money. Then it was like, okay, you're going to do Daytona, the first race of the year. Then I wasn't so sure. Then there was no teams available. Then there hmm. was a team of it. You know, dude, it's, it's a roller coaster fucking of, of emotions, you know? And, uh, and so just this morning, ironically coincidentally my sponsor called me and said okay man i struck a deal with the team owner we're doing daytona awesome. but i still don't say it's 100 percent until i'm fucking on a plane on my way to daytona right but it does look like i'll be at daytona that's a big deal it'll be my first super speedway so now that i did last year the races i did and did well nascar was happy with my performance the, the biggest track i've ever raced on is a 1.5 mile which is just still considered a speedway hmm. Anything two miles and above is considered a super speedway. And there's not very many super speedways in America to begin with. There's Michigan, which is two miles, the Indianapolis motor speedway, 2.5 miles, Daytona and Talladega. That's it. I'm pretty sure those are the only, and then Pocono, which they race sometimes, but there's only like a handful, five super speedways. And again, like NASCAR has that progression, no different than in skydiving. You can't go straight to this. 
you have to progress. So I did the mile and a half NASCAR is like, okay, you're signed off. You can go do super speedways. Uh, so Daytona will be my first super speedway. There is practice and qualifying, which is <laughs> a big deal. I get to, I don't just have to send it. Um, but what's tough is, and this is another thing I need to, you know, you know, stay positive, but uh, it's a qualify in. So only 40 trucks start the race. There's going to be probably 55 trucks trying to qualify for Daytona sure. for the first race of the year. And again, it's a lower budget team, but they say they have solid equipment, but we don't know. We've never raced with this team. You know, sure. I don't know this. I don't know them. They say they have really good equipment. Uh, they, they bought trucks from Kyle Busch Motorsports. They have factory Toyota support. So we should have good equipment. Um, Daytona, a, a, there's not so much driver ability as some people would understand. It's fucking wide open flat out. If the truck, if the car, if the motor, the body, the, the body work, the aerodynamics, if that thing isn't set up right, it doesn't matter how good a driver you are. You're sure. not going to get out of your own way. So as long as we have a good truck and I, and I can get around the track flat out, then we should make the show. But uh, so I should say I'm not racing, but I get to go qualify for the Daytona race. Dude, that's fucking epic. That's yeah, epic. No, yeah, it is cool, man. To race the Daytona is a big deal. Man. Damn so man. That's, yeah, so Now, as, as we get towards the end of uh, the podcast, I want to know if somebody wants to watch this race, is there a way for them to follow it online? Yeah. So all luckily with NASCAR, all the races, truck Xfinity and cup are all live. And they're usually, it's either Fox sports or NBC sports. And they, and they actually do both. So like half the season might be Fox sports, half the season might be NBC. I'd have to look online. If you just look up the you know NASCAR truck series, it'll tell you what uh, network has, has got it. Awesome. The NASCAR, the NASCAR app for people that are going to be traveling and you want to follow along and see if I'm racing, the NASCAR app is actually fucking badass. Um, you can go on the app and click on me and listen to all the audio. Oh, that's talking. cool. Yeah. You can listen to us talking on the audio and it's funny, man. There's a, 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 a well-known spotter who spots for an Indy car, Indy 500 champion. The kid that I taught how to drive Alex Rossi, he was listening in on my race and we had this ongoing joke is I, I do cuss a lot. I, you know, it's just sure. what we do. It's, it's how I am. Right. And I'm super calm and chill. I've been racing long enough that even when things aren't going well, I'm very calm. I'm, I'm very cool and collected. I'm, I'm, I'm very supportive of the team. If they make, you know, if we have a bad pit stop, I'm not the driver. I'm, like, oh, yeah, God damn. You know, I'm not freaking right. out. I'm like, it's all right, but it's all right, boys. We got this, you know? Right. Um, I like to consider myself a good driver in that aspect. Right. And so, but so on the radio, apparently I'm like, yeah, fucking cars are fucking a little bit tight. I mean, you know, I'm, I think I'm fucking up a little bit, but we'll get it guys. You know, if we, on the next pit stop, if you just give me a little bit of more rear grip and fucking, we'll make this thing move forward. And he, right. he's like, and so we had this thing where he was like, motherfucker you cuss a lot so we he'll text me and be like what what do you have to motherfucker get that car going um i don't know what the fuck you're talking about i try and watch my fucking mouth as much as i yeah. possibly can you're so well you're, you're so composed on i'm good fire. at it right i'm good at it it's straight from here to church every day so yeah. uh, so um we can follow the race in that respect how first off um what social media so we know how to follow matt jaskell and find out what you're up to if they want to come jumping with you what drop zone are you jumping at right now and how do we follow them yeah so obviously all the socials and it's easy to follow so matt jaskell across the board j-a-s-k-o-l for those that don't know so yeah instagram and uh and facebook i primarily use facebook and instagram i i don't like twitter but i am on there and then my you know the nascar thing you got you're supposed to use twitter a lot and then uh and then on youtube i try to i'll start to post some more videos this year and, and cool. follow me on there yeah 
So. Cool. Awesome. Well, and, and uh, um, as I've been doing with these YouTube videos, because I'm still getting used to the new channel and stuff, I'm going to get you to send me some uh, short clip videos that I'm going to mix in to this conversation. So in between you and I on this video, I want to uh, be able to put up a couple of skydives and, and maybe some racing yeah. and stuff. So I had, a, Matt, had an epic crash last year. So I'll send you that footage. Please, it, please. It, it, yes. Luckily, it wasn't to my fault. I got hit from behind, but it was still a pretty cool crash. I got got awesome. some good TV time. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I mean, racing is a lot like uh, uh, going out and watching the swoopers, right? You don't watch them to go around in circles. You watch them to see if they hit the wall. <laughs> they're going to tumble sometimes. Yeah, somebody's going to somebody's going to chow the pond. Matt, man, I'll tell you what, I can't thank you enough for spending again the time with me. If the race goes well, actually, I should say when the race goes well and this keeps continuing, we're going to have to do a round three so you can catch us up on what you're up to. Man, I will. I'm going to fucking make the field for Daytona for everybody out there watching for the skydive world, for the racing world. And so we can come back on here and talk about what what racing around Daytona at almost 200 miles an hour was like. Awesome, brother. Can't wait, man. Thank you All so right. much, brother. Take care. Thanks so much, bro. See you, man. And there you have it, another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right, head to Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know him, you love him. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.